And indeed, you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. And Porik is on a little sabbatical, but Pete and Mick are with us in studio from Hawkins this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Georgia. Morning, Georgia. How are we today? Oh, right. brilliant. Yeah. Very well now. Now, you've come laden down with all kinds of bits and pieces this morning, but we're going to start off, uh, Pete, first of all, talking a little bit about pruning because uh, I suppose this week we've seen a little bit of a change in the weather and it, we really are in autumn now at this stage. And you say that really this is the time we need to make sure that the pruning is done. Yeah, um, <coughs> certainly in the, for the next uh, month or so or up into six weeks, I think it's time to start planning and to start doing a little bit of pruning and a bit after care for trees, shrubs, uh, fruit trees and roses in the garden. And it, it can be a particularly nice job in the garden. It's a nice type of work to do. I always like it. I know it's a, a bit of pruning or particularly hedges or putting a bit of shape into them. And <clears throat> there's a number of reasons why, why you prune. And I suppose the first key reason would be for to create young growth for, for next season. Obviously, if you're cutting back old timber and taking out new new timber, that just encourages the plant or the tree to produce new, new growth. And of course, new growth, as we know, any, anything that grows new, it's, it's very good. It'll produce new flowers and a lot stronger and healthier growth for the plant. Um, <clears throat> and of course, to, to, you're taking out a lot of lichen and you're taking out of a lot of pests and diseases too out of the plant. And to give the plant a little bit more structure, some trees may be a bit too top mm. heavy. They're getting a bit blowing around. And just to thin them out. And I suppose because we've had a year where there has been incredible growth uh, across really the growing season, um, that maybe a lot of shrubs, trees, hedges, whatever it is, if if we kind of have maybe done it, tidied them in the earlier part of the year yeah. and they've had really the whole summer long for growing and now they are maybe looking a little bit raggedy, a bit tatty. Um, so now would be... The, the time to really yeah, tackle well, that in. Well, you made a very good point there. Like this year was an exceptional year for growth. I was down looking at picking out beech uh, hedging this week down in Wicklow and the guys in the nursery were just amazed at with, with the growth at the scene. It's phenomenal this year, uh, the amount of growth beech has put on. And th- that's a good point you made. Pruning even should have been done a little bit earlier through the year just to keep it in check. Mm. But now is a good time to do it and just to thin them out. Um, particularly for fruit trees or rose trees, to create an open centre. <clears throat> By that I mean any cross branches or anything going through the middle of the plant is trying to open up the tree or the, the bush or the fruit bush or the rose bush, whatever it be, and to create more, to get more light into the centre of the plant and just to give it a bit of shape. And of course, for all summer flowering shrubs <clears throat> that have that have gone out of flower now, by that I mean potentillas or hypericums, all those summer flowering plants, a light, a light pruning now is, is essential and it's very good to do it. Okay, so is there a rule of thumb then to create that open centre that, you, that you're talking about? Not really. Mick, do, do you want to come in on that one? Uh, well, um, I suppose, you know, some of the key things with pruning is, um, you know, any stems that are kind of thicker than your thumb that have woody stems, you want to make a clean cut on them. And that's very important. And um, the idea of that is that uh, if it's a jagged cut or if the tree is damaged, water and disease can get into the wound and it can work its way into the tree and mm. um, so it's good to have a good sharp pruners uh, or a little saw or something that'll you know make a nice clean cut on it uh, if you're doing larger bows if you make a little incision in under the bow beforehand and then cut the top of it and the reason for that is when the bow falls 
it's not pulling a load of bark down the side of the tree and damaging the tree that way. Okay. It, it breaks cleanly. So you've kind of weakened it underneath first before exactly. you go at it from the top side. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And you can use um, a little tool like that one we have there. Yeah, so you've brought, you've brought, they, brought, they brought in this thing that looks a bit scary to yeah. me, to be honest. <laughs> exactly. But it's a, a telescopic tree pruner. So um, for people who know me, they'll know I'm not the tallest person in the world. Yeah. If I was to go pruning a few trees... <laughs> it's good that, for home that, protection yeah, as well. Yeah, that might be something that I might need. Tell us a little bit. Of the, is, is, I mean, it looks kind of a little bit complicated. Is it complicated or uh, is no, it easy enough not. to use? Uh, it's very, very easy to use. And it makes, uh, you know, kind of pruning larger trees or, you know, upper you have to get the ladder out to do that, um, that little bit of pruning. It makes it much easier. It means you can do it from the ground, uh, which is obviously much safer. Um, so there's there's two things on it. There's yeah. a pruning saw for the, the bigger boughs. Uh, and then there's... Um, like a secretaire's on it that, that you can work from the bottom and you uh, and there's a pulley on it there is indeed yeah and okay. it, it folds out so it's telescopic so it stretches you know up to about uh, two and a half three metres uh, so you can get up to those difficult branches without too much difficulty and the pulley makes it means it's, you don't have to be going at awkward angles yeah, and stuff the, like that for the smaller little branches you use that you just give it a little pull and it, it snips the uh, the branches and the bigger one then are for the, the bigger boughs Okay. Uh, so it's a great little tool and you know stops you clambering up like a monkey up through the tree. Yeah or ladders or all that kind of carry on which can be very off-putting for people and particularly if it's only maybe a few branches that people want to take off and not necessarily have to go looking for external help. Um, yeah, I suppose just the other thing yeah. on uh, when you do prone uh, any wounds that you make on the tree uh, again if they're if they're uh, a little bit of a large uh, cut on them, uh, it's good to put prune and seal on them. And that's just a sealant that stops any disease getting into them. So you just dab that on. It's like the, uh, the stuff you use on, on shoes, you know, for shining them. You dab it on and it just protects them. So it's great to use that as well. So it's kind of a little bit like a sticking plaster, is it? Exactly, for, yeah. for the For, the, for, the, for the, the bare bit that has been exposed. Exactly, yeah. Okay, and it's what's it called again? It's called prune and seal. Okay, uh, and easy enough just to administer. Very easy, yeah. yeah okay, very easy. But important to protect uh, the tree, presumably from disease or whatever else that might be lurking around. That's it, yeah. Okay, and in terms then, I suppose, you know, hedging is always something that features um, very strongly on the programme. In terms of pruning the hedging then, have we general advice for people regarding that? Well, now again, would be would be very good uh, for most types of hedging beech, escalonia, um, laurel, anything like that. You've certainly another four, you've you've six weeks to do it anyways. Okay. So, and the weather at the moment is ideal for that, the temperatures at the moment. Again, hedging, it should be done maybe a couple of times through the season, not to just let it grow and grow and then hit big the, one hit. Really, yeah. it should be done continuous through, maybe two or three times through the, through the growing season. Okay, and um, in terms then of how much one should take off at this point in the year, because, you know, I suppose we're heading into winter, um, should we be taking a lot or a little or is there are there guidelines on that? There is, well, coming to this stage, not, not you wouldn't want to take the huge amount off, maybe two to three inches off the side, side shoots and that that's about it. Uh, obviously, earlier on, you could have done a little bit... Uh, a little bit more, taking a bit more off the hedge. But I suppose that's the problem with um, <clears throat> gardeners and that they tend to leave the hedge for a number of years and let it grow and grow and grow. Because everyone wants their hedge they up. Just, yeah. Exactly, they want to get it up and that's the wrong thing to do. Like yeah. even a laurel hedge should no, be no more wider than two feet in width. Right. The same with beech, any of these hedges. So it's, it's a little so bit if you, more. If, yeah, if you keep them in check at the, in the earlier stages, it, it'll, it'll really stand to the hedge exactly, in the long run. Yeah. Okay. Now, in terms of the fruit trees, then you were saying that really we have to get the harvest in, I think, uh, Mick, and 
to make sure that your your fruit trees are pruned as well yeah, at this time. Yeah, indeed. Uh, like especially for kind of pears and apples, which would be the most co- uh, common fruit tree we we grow here. Um, it's uh, you know the leaf drop is is common now. All the leaves are going yeah, to shed. We can see it this week. Yeah, and you know over the next kind of let's say two months, it's a great time to prune them. Uh, and tidy them up. So uh, one thing to look out for is any stems that are crisscrossing each other because when the wind blows, these will rub against each other. So one of these should be removed, um, especially on apples, but you know other fruit trees can get it as well. It's good to look out for a thing called canker. Uh, and canker is a disease of the wood. So, you know, and it's very easy to look at uh, or look at your trees in winter because there's no leaf on it. Mm. You can see the wood clearly. And if you see any kind of decay in the wood or it's nearly like a chocolate colour, you know, it'd be very different to the the skin of the of the, the wood of the apple tree. And that needs to be cut out. Now, if you're unsure of that, you can bring a little sample into the garden centre, just nip off a little bit and, you know, show the staff mm. in there and we can show you how to do it. But, um, you know, it's great to get rid of that over the winter months. Um, Another thing would be to, you know, if, um, as as Pete said there, you get a lot of insects and disease and a lot of them will stay on the tree over the winter months. They'll grow on the lichen and uh, they'll they'll stay in there till springtime. Yeah. Uh, So a good thing to do is to apply a winter wash uh, when all the leaves are gone. Uh, Now, you can use that on really anything that goes bare in the winter so uh, your fruit trees your f- uh, fruit bushes like gooseberries or that you just make it up with water and spray it onto it you can also use it on your roses right uh, because you know if roses would have had disease like black spot or rust or mildew this year um, a lot of it you know can be you know still present in the wood the winter wash when you spray it on it sterilises the wood and it makes the, the plant very clean for next year right and um, you're getting rid of anything that might be overwintering or hibernating yeah. or planting Exactly, to, yeah. to, to live in the environment yeah. for for the next couple of months. Yeah, and another good thing to do um, is to, you know, just tidy up the bottom of them. So where you have that leaf drop, you know, around your roses, your, your bushes or that, get the rake out, rake up all the leaves and you're taking away any kind of harmful, again, disease insects or that. And you can use them in your compost heap, you know, because there's so much uh, uh, leaf drop at the moment. It's a lot of keen gardeners will be out with the wheelbarrow, gathering up barrows of, of um, leaves and then piling them beside their compost uh, mm. bins uh, and what you do is instead of you know filling the bin full of leaves you can use the leaves you know um, every now and again when you're you're putting other um, bits and pieces in yeah exactly yeah, like your kitchen waste mm. you put a few uh, you know uh, a few handfuls of leaves in through it and that way you're getting a great mix in your composting uh, oh, and good. you get better compost that way. Good idea, because a lot of people, and well, I would have probably just thought, let's throw it all in and get, get leave it. But uh, of yeah. course, it makes much more sense to have the bit of the mix, and then obviously you get a better better product at the end of the day. Now, you also mentioned about grease bands before we started. T- talk to us about that. Well, the grease bands, uh, yeah, we can use very ideal for fruit trees, apple trees, pear trees, and they're simply put on at the base of the of the stem of the plant and just wrapped around it. Okay, for those who are listening now and who are not familiar with grease bands and what they do, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I suppose the, the purpose of them, Deirdre, is that they're, they're wrapped around, as you can see there on the, the example on the pack, they're just wrapped around the tree. Mm-hmm. And the idea of them is the, the trap the insects when they go up onto the tree to oh, hibernate. Right. And uh, I suppose it's just, uh, it's an organic method of uh, 
you know, pe- pest and disease control. control. So if you didn't want <coughs> to be using the winter wash, for example, if I suppose if you were maybe doing things a little on the organic side. Yeah, they're ideal for that. And, and they're great for particularly uh, apple trees, pear trees, plum trees, cherries, anything like that. Any, any top fruit where you have uh, aphids or anything like that that just creep up and hibernate and stay on the tree over the winter time and they're ideal for that. Perfect. Okay. Now the other thing I suppose we're going to talk about a little bit as well this morning is uh, I know the weather is still very mild. I mean we've lovely 14, 15, 16 degree temperatures over the weekend but we do have to start thinking about you know temperatures dropping and some of those outdoor plants that are a bit on the susceptible side to the frost and the cold weather and I suppose the bay tree might be one example of that um, Mick we were talking about that you know some of them badly affected there a couple of years ago but there's a few preventative measures you have for people. Yeah I lost a few myself now we got caught out with the bad winters all right but you know like even in a regular winter where we get a very cold week it can affect some plants yeah yeah the bay is a typical example because it holds its leaf in the winter time it's very vulnerable you know whereas a lot of other plants will shed their leaves they're protecting themselves that way Uh, the bay doesn't do that uh, another one would be the camellia, you know, which we all love and gives us great, great flowers, flowers in yeah. springtime. Uh, that can be very susceptible to a cold week. So um, a good way to, to protect them is uh, to get a little bit of fleece yep. uh, and pull the fleece over them. Now, you don't have to do it yet, but you can wait uh, until... you know Your temperatures the, drop down. Yeah, and that weather is forecasted. Uh, the fleece is great because... Uh, when you pull it over, it still lets the light and air into the plant, so you're not, it's not like pulling polythene or newspaper over it, uh, and you can leave it on it for several weeks, you know, until the temperatures get back to normal. Um, or there's a very good one. Um, it's what, it's it, it's kind of a jackets. bit of an all-in-one, yeah, I mean, so, because sometimes the fleece, you have to cut it out and you have exactly. to shape it around, yeah. and this one, you just really pop it over the plant. You do, yeah, yeah. it just pulls over like a, like a bin liner. Uh, and it protects the plant that way. Well, the common um, tree size is small, medium, and large. It's no so different than putting on some, you know, if you yeah. to my, and that's that's the whole purpose of them. So okay. The winter time. So it's like a little coat. And I suppose really, when you think about it in terms of, you know, I know you have to, pay, you know, spend a little bit of money to mind the plant, but for things like bay trees, you know, which are very expensive as they, the bigger they are, um, you do want to be able to protect that bit yeah, of an investment yeah, or whatever. Exactly, so yeah. when you go to Holland or, or Germany if the winter time and you'll see them outside houses and all their bay leaves are just wrapped over Trumper. with a little bit of fleece. Okay. And then, you know, they come and once the, the hard weather comes, they're put on and once it picks up again, they're off again. Yeah. You know. So, and it can be devastating. And when, they, they also hold, uh, you know, they keep a nice colour, they hold that nice colour too on the plant. Yeah. You know, the wind or that, that, that causes scorching and yes. yellowing and you'll often see it in boxwood or bay leaves where they go yellow. And that's just down to a bit of wind burn and wind chill as well, not so much the frost. Okay, so it's protecting it in lots of ways. It then, is, really. yeah. It okay. is, yeah. yeah. So, the, so the winter fleece is available so for yeah. for plants and maybe and just to, to get a little bit ready in case it's needed. And you can also use it in, in springtime when we get that, uh, you know, when the weather starts to warm again and we get that flush of nice colour off plants. Uh, like uh, let's say Pierre's Forest Flame or Red Robin or any of those plants that give us that beautiful spring colour. Uh, sometimes again we get a cold week or a cold blast of uh, of wind. You can use the fleece again to protect mm. them 
pull them over it and then once that's gone whip them off and all that new growth is protected because any plant that gets affected that time of year it takes weeks and weeks for it to, to, to come back yeah, yeah. okay um, so and of course in hindsight if it was done five or six years ago with the hedges yeah with Christinia, and the escalonias i lost you know, one myself and yeah it's amazing the nurserymen that were on top of that and, and kept an eye on the weather that grow these plants and they put a filament of fleece over their crop and it's amazing the difference that is, made yeah. too and it's just that, that little inch or pr- protecting the plant and the, and the difference it makes. I know and I think of me and all those people who ended up having yeah. to dig things yeah. out and start from scratch again. Um, They're still being dug out. <laughs> they are <Yeah>. actually. <laughs> but I think at this stage people have given up the ghost that they'll yeah. ever come back and, if they happen to this stage. You know and it's only when temperatures get to a, a period or you know yeah. but, but my point about the um, a mixed point there about the bay leaves. You know, you're paying maybe 100 euros for mm. a nice bay leaf and, you know, putting a jacket on it for two of months of the year yeah. and it's, it's it's well worth it. It's well worth it. Okay. Now, you've also brought in um, a bit of colour because this time of the year, I know there's lots of colour with the leaves changing, but they are starting to drop, as you said. And um, we're starting to think, oh, is it going to just look very drab and dreary in the garden for the next couple of months? Or what can people introduce now to maybe just give it that little bit of autumn winter colour? Um, you've a beautiful cyclamen brought in, first of all. I just love the colour of this. Yeah, the cyclamens are great like you know because I suppose a lot of containers are going off all the petunias and summer colour and that they're starting to get tired in containers so it's a very good time of year for people to you know clean out the old growth from them uh, get rid of them you know get your containers freshened up with a little bit of fresh compost and pelleted feed um, and then you know pop in something like that for the winter Um, so cyclamens are a a bulb uh, but they they really shine this time of year Mm. and really through the winters uh, or through the winter months um, so as you can see there, there's you know, you've loads of flowers on top, but you also have the buds coming up from yes. uh, you know from the middle of the plant. Now the the trick with uh, the camellias or sorry the the cyclamen is instead of pinching off flowers like we normally would, yes. we pull the whole stem when we're deadheading this. Okay, flower. so that, down to the down to the yeah. kind of the base of the soil is just it? Just like that. All oh, right, so it lifts out. Yeah, so the whole little stem, you just give it a quick tug, and the whole stem comes out, and that's essential with uh, cyclamens because otherwise, if you pinch it off. Off, uh, the top of the or the rest of the stem will rot down and it'll damage the inside it's of the plant. Okay. So it's a great trick for growing them. And yeah. that, and that promotes then more growth yeah. and throughout throughout the next. All these of little fellas will keep coming up through the winter months, and just every time one goes off, just give it a quick pull. The whole stem will come out, and, and all those other ones won't be damaged. Great. Uh, but it's a fantastic plant for winter containers. Okay, we've something with berries on it there. That looks really uh, colourful as well. It's kind of red orange berries, as such. Y- yeah. Well, listeners would be familiar with the skimia. This is a, a fairly new variety of skimia. Mm-hmm. Temptation, it's called, and it's uh, the beauty about it is it flowers and it berries yeah, on the and, one plant. And it's not. I mean, it's not just a few berries. They're big clusters. bunches, clusters yeah, of berries. Yeah. There must be gosh, twenty or thirty nearly. Yeah, there's that. probably about five or six yeah. clusters of and, of nice fruit on yeah. it there at the moment. And of course, it's 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 a brilliant year for fruit for fruit this year and berries. And uh, they're looking particularly well at the moment. Yeah. And they will stay like that up till about next March. Okay, so that's, so that's the skimmia. Skimmia, great for, for pots or containers, ideal for graves as well. Someone wants a little bit of colour in a grave, they're perfect for that. And will stay like that right through the Christmas and certainly into March as well. Okay, lovely. And we, we also have, is this, what's this here we have beside us? That, that's this another skimmia. It's one called uh, rubella. And it's this is more of a plant that for a larger container 
or for a, a shrub bed someone wants to put in a little bit of shrub a bit of colour someone has a wedding coming up they wanted to put a little bit of colour into the garden for, for the they might have a wedding for Christmas this is a brilliant plant for that Okay. And these are only buds in it they're dark red buds right they um, open up into a, a very fragrant white flower for oh, spring beautiful uh, it's evergreen holds the foliage it only gets to about two and a half three feet and spreads out to about three feet so oh, it's, a, it's a great all round okay really. and, it, and it obviously gets uh, not too bushy but bushy enough at the same time yeah 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 and okay. a nice size and uh, as I said it, it, it covers a lot of angles it's evergreen you have the red buds on it and then you'll and have, you have the, the white, white flowers. flowers for spring okay great so what and have we got got a few other bits and pieces then that we've brought in we have there's uh, another one here, here it, yeah so it, this it, is this is more in the greenery department yeah, Pete. yeah that's stelia uh, silver spare I suppose customers will be very used to this as a big plant, but mm-hmm. this is a nice small, small little one, um, and it's great for pots. And of course, color, leaf color, you can't beat it, you know. And if you if you if you put that with something purple like the heuchus or a little bit of heather, you know, you get a, it's it's a good time. It's a, a time to do a bit a little bit of thinking too yes. in autumn to pick a few plants that complement each other and pick your colors, and certainly the silver with the purple. Uh, it looks very it's well. Very, it's very autumnal. Yeah. And it looks well, and these are evergreen, so they, they'll stay right through for the year and, and look very well at Christmas time too for pots and containers. Okay, yeah, it's 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 a it's a very Steely nice silver spare. It's it's one to certainly to look out for. Okay, and you can see the bit of green and the lovely silver, silver tinge at the back then yes. as well underneath. Okay, and we have a little bit of heather there as well, Mick. Yeah, we do. Uh, this one is called Kramer's Red, uh, and as you can see, well. Um, there's loads and loads of bud on it at the moment. Uh, half of it's in flower, so like it's in great shape. Um, this particular heather is um, is one called uh, our family called Erica, and Ericas are very good for really any soil. You know, a lot of people associate with heathers. It's difficult to grow; they're only growing boggy soil. Yeah. Uh, but uh, all Ericas are are really good for any garden. Um, so you can plant that in. You know, we still uh, encourage to use good compost in with it. Uh, but they're very easy to grow. Um, a good trick with them is um, when the flowers finish on them, just grab them up like that yep. and prune them straight across the top. Take about a, a you know a quarter of a third of the growth off them. And it, you know, it only takes five seconds to do it on each plant. But if you do that every year, you stop the heather getting woody and ugly looking, which, you know, if it's left to its own devices, that's it can, what happens. It can commonly yeah. Get. yeah. You know, I do a lot of, you know, go to gardens where the wanted heather beds removed. Because, because they have just been left and not yeah, really tended. Exactly. And it's only once a year you have to do it. When the flower yeah. goes off it, you see it going brown, just give it a little haircut uh, and that's it with it. And you have a cordyline there as well. Yeah, I suppose the cordyline is very like the astelia. Yeah. Um, it's great for a centre plant for a pot. Um, a lot of people would know the green one that got affected in the winter, uh, the big ones that you'd see in the garden. They look, you know, very tropical. Mm. Uh, but that's that's a lovely way of just injecting a bit of winter colour into a container and a bit of I suppose a bit of height as well exactly. if you're if you've got some kind of low plants it gives that's it, it you could you know plant that into the centre put some heather and uh, cyclamens around it and you've lovely containers for the winter um, a good trick with that if the weather does get very bad yes. just uh, pull the plants together like that yep. so they're all uh, vertical all the- uh, and then put a little bit of tie across it and it stops the, the frost getting, getting into the centre of the plant. Okay, and when the, the weather gets better, you can just cut it open again. And it'll, yeah, because again, I think that was a plant that probably uh, got yeah. scuppered quite a bit exactly, a couple yeah. of years ago. Okay. A lot of them came back too for, for gardeners. They all came from the base, the base again too. Yeah. 
but uh, if you want to protect I suppose what you have there already yeah. uh, just a couple of tips there The thing about these plants too is the cordialized mixed set and the astelia there's something you can leave in your pots maybe for two years and mm. if you think they're getting a little bit big they, they're, they're good plants and they can be taken out of the pot and they, they can be put somewhere then in the garden to grow then to their own devices as a nice specimen plant Okay, perfect. Loads of options there for people. Now, I know we've got a few questions. We're going to take a quick break, first of all, guys. Um, and for those of you who have a question for Mick or Pete this morning, you can text us in on 087 or call us on 0818 you're very welcome back. Pete and Mick are with us from Horkins this morning on the gardening programme. Um, lots of questions and we're going to come to those in just a minute. I want to talk quickly, Mick, about bulbs because this is really the time of the year that we get these in the ground, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I suppose uh, the centres are full of, uh, the, you know, the dry spring bulb at the moment. So uh, now is the time we plant them. Uh, and uh, a lot of them will start flowering from around February, you know, and continue right to kind of March, April. So it, it's a great time of year to get them into the ground because I suppose after the winter, there, you know, there's nothing more cheery than, uh, you know, a big burst of colour from mm. bulbs uh, in the springtime. You know, we're leaving the winter behind, you know, we're into a new year. You know, I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic and very easy way to inject colour into a garden. So uh, what I have in front of me here is one called Tetetate, which is a dwarf daffodil um, called a narcissi. And it's a very short little plant and it's great for containers. Mm. So like I was saying earlier on, you know, planting your heathers and your cyclamen and, you know, your skimmias into containers. When you are doing them, you can, you know, get a couple of bags of bulbs and just stick them down through the soil uh, when you're planting, uh, freshening up the rest of the container. Yeah. And what happens is the uh, the uh, the cyclamen and the heather and, and that will flower through the, um, the winter and then springtime, the bulbs will push right up through the growth and give you that another injection of colour and that brings you right into the, the summer right. when you know you turn when them you, over again yeah, when you have lo- and when you'll have loads of other options for colour then at that stage Indeed, but yeah. it, can, it maintains that little bit of colour right throughout yeah Okay, so bulbs in the ground now then, really? And in the ground as well, yeah, like in, in lawns, on the edges of lawns or that, you know, it's great to put in, like, you know, 17 or 20 bulbs in one little patch together, like in a little dome. Um, and it, it's a great way of doing it because if you put them in a group together, mm. when himself gets the lawnmower out, it's harder for him to move over the top of them if they're all in a cluster <laughs> together. And they also we can't pretend you didn't see that one. Yeah. And they also protect each other from uh, from the wind, and you know they're they're just sturdy and they look great. They're like a big bouquet coming up in yeah. the lawn. Okay, um, yeah. So because uh, you know one thing about bulbs is when they do uh, finish flower, that's the time they're regenerating for next year, and um, so they're sucking all the nutri- nutrition back into themselves. It's good to give them a, a feed of rose feed or tomato feed when they're doing that, but most importantly, let them sit for six or seven weeks. Let them. Die die back into themselves and when they go yellow then you can let them over them with the, the mower well, not good. before not before okay lots of questions as I said we're going to start with a question on apples and apple trees um, can they be grown in pots somebody's got a small garden and they'd love to have some fruit growing in pots um, and when would they plant them no is it the time to plant them right good uh, they can get a variety called cornet which is a dwarf apple tree and it, they can get a variety that's uh, what we call a family apple tree, mm-hmm. where you have two trees on the one tree. Of course, uh, as you, uh, all listeners probably know that you need two trees, two trees for pollination. So you can, you can buy a cornet apple tree, perfect in a container, uh, will fruit, no question about it. And uh, now is the time to plant it. And is that fruit edible? Yeah. 
course. Okay. Yeah, well, you can buy them both ways. Both, you can, yeah. you know, but ideally, the best way to get them is is an edible, is, right. a, is an eaten variety. Okay, yeah. and and how big would they grow then? They in the container they'll stay to about five feet. Okay, so very yeah. manageable, really. Very manageable, really. Yeah, okay. and, and like any uh, apple tree, just a little bit aftercare, a little bit of pruning with them, bit of feed, bit of potash in the spring, and that's really it. Great, um, Mick. Somebody has a manure. They have horse manure and farmyard manure. They're wondering, can they mix the two together and to feed the roses? They heard it's the best feed they can get, and they're also wondering, can they put the same on dahlias? Just why do I always get the manure Sorry. questions? <laughs> <laughs> you can indeed, not yeah, deliberately. Yeah, yeah uh, like you know, farmyard manure, be it a horse or a cow, like you know, it's it's fantastic for our plants. Uh, the trick with it is to um, you know to let it uh, break down before you use it. And so, like, very generous, my neighbours, like, they, they give me some every year. Uh, and I, I try and pile it in, you know, in different piles. So I'm using the oldest stuff first. First. Um, it'd nearly want to be kind of falling through your fork, like, you know, very crumbly when you use it. So if you're using it on your dahlias, like, this time of year, um, it's good to lift your dahlias, get them out of the ground, um, you know, because they're finishing flower now, they're kind of going back into themselves. So in the next few weeks, it's good to lift them out, dry them out and protect them for the winter, you know, and store them for the winter. Um, and, you know, while the bed is dormant for the winter, mm. you can get your farmyard manure in there, fork it into the soil and just let it sit then for the winter until you're ready to put your dahlias back in again in spring. Uh, the same with if you have a rose bed. Um, you know, it's great to use that, fork it into the soil, make sure it's well broken down. Uh, but, you know, it's fantastic for, for plants. Okay. So the, really the trick is to have it as decomposed as possible. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Lovely. How do we kill ivy growing on the ground? It's under trees at the moment, asks Tom. Yeah, it's it's uh, Tom needs to use uh, something with glyphosate, which is uh, like a Roundup mm-hmm. or a weed-free um, and that's a systemic. What I mean by that is that it goes in through the leaf of the ivy and it goes in through the root then uh, without harming the soil and it'll kill the ivy. He should also uh, mix a little bit of washing up liquid with the chemical. Uh, that will just help it stick on because, of course, the ivy leaf is very shiny and the chemical could just wash off it. So I'd suggest Roundup are certainly weed-free and um, put one of those on it, mix it with washing up liquid. Uh, he could still do it now, mm-hmm. um, probably getting a little bit late, but no harm to give it give it an application. If it's a small area, if it's a big area, I'd nearly advise him to leave it till nearly next April or, or May when we're really in the growing season. season. Yeah. Right. Um, but if it's a small area, why not give it a shot now? and give it another application in April or May next year. To be sure, to be sure. Yeah. Perfect. Now, a qu- listener asks, why did the buds fall off my Christmas cactus? Last year, the buds stayed tiny and they never opened on a second plant. Uh, it could be down to, uh, like, the Christmas cactus is uh, normally kept inside, you know, and it's a very, uh, it's very kind of bright and cheery plant, mm-hmm. like, for the winter months. Um, so it just could be down to where the, the listener has it. Um, down to the location so if you're having a problem with it uh, I'd say move it to another location maybe where it's getting a bit more light um, check the soil you know it might need repotting the easiest way to do that is just pull off the, the pot and if you see the roots circling uh, at the base mm-hmm. get it into the next size pot with fresh compost uh, and uh, also a little bit of tomato food not too much because you know cactuses don't take a lot of water yes uh, they're, uh, the Christmas cactus is the same family and um, you know I'd say just try that that should work out well for yeah. them okay perfect um, Mary is wondering how does she get worms back into the garden 
Is there a trick yeah, to this? Yeah, there is, yeah. And like we were mentioning the manure yes. uh, earlier on, there's no better way of getting uh, worms into your garden than, than introduce some manure. Yeah, knock on the farmer's door next to you. Uh, have you a heap of manure for me? Because they're normally full of worms. Right. Like, and it's it's a great way. Like worms will, you know, perish or leave the garden if the, you know, if the soil is very heavy in that. And a great way of um, of getting it back in is, you know, putting organic matter into the ground. So before you, you, you go and get them, you know, prepare the soil for them. So they want to stay and then they're going to breed. And, you know, the more worms you have in your soil, the better. You can also get a wormery if you want to grow them. Yes. <laughs> you can. Uh, or you can go into a fishing tackle shop and buy them. You know, you can buy little tubs of them. Right, but, and just release them into the ground. Yeah, but I, I'd say before, you know, just firing them into the garden, yeah. you know, try and, uh, um, you know, and make it a little bit better for, for them, them so they're happier. Because yeah. obviously maybe if they're not there, maybe there's a reason then in the garden itself if we if there isn't a, a kind of a profusion of worms. Exactly. Lovely. Um, a listener is wondering about trees to plant in a lawn, please. Something to give colour at different times of the year. They have room for about four or five trees, Pete. Five trees, great time to plant them. Uh, couldn't be better. Uh, five trees I'd recommend would be two maples. One would be Acer Crim- Crimson King, mm-hmm. if the listener is listening. Uh, another uh, maple would be one called Dramondii, which is a lovely white and cream leaf. There too. Something for a bit of leaf colour as well would be Liquid Amber, which is a gorgeous tree. This time, this time of the year, year beautiful yeah. tree. Um, Something flowering, maybe I'd go for for spring. Am- Amalantia, the uh, Lamarckii. That's the um, can't think of the common name. The snowy mespolis, I think. Yeah, is the common name. Um, and maybe something, maybe something with a bit of bark color. Maybe something like a Nacer Grisium, the snake bark maple, or maybe a, a Betula, the Jack Montii, which is a lovely white bark. Or even call in, call into the shop, and we'd we'd la- gladly pick you out a few. But they they'd be five I'd recommend. Okay, and a nice idea that you're choosing them, you know, where they're I suppose coming into their best at different times of the year, so that it's spreading out over yeah, over, a bit over, all your wrong colour really over the season. Yeah. Um, one more, we'll take another quick break. Um, somebody asks, um, would you have any recommendations for plants, flowers for my grandmother's grave? They'd like to have it looking good for November and All Souls. Well, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit already. Yeah, we um, did, but you know, there's lots like the, the garden centre is full of uh, plants that, you know, take over from the summer stuff now. Um, so the plants we mentioned earlier on, the heathers, the cyclamen, the skimmia, they're all ideal. Uh, also violas and pansies are brilliant uh, winter plants. You know, they're as tough as nails. Mm. Plant them in little groups or in a pot uh, and sit it on the grave. And then, you know, yeah, the primulas as well. Like primulas are fantastic, you know, great colour and a, and a great choice of colour. Like if you want one theme of a colour or that. Uh, and you know remember just to pop the few spring bulbs into the container or into the grave and that's going to bring you right through the winter and into summer of next year okay great we we are going to take another quick little break stay with us though we have some more to come Okay, you're very welcome back to the programme. Now, um, some people picking up, I think, maybe on what we were discussing earlier on uh, at the start of the programme. Um, a couple of questions about the winter wash, which we might talk about again, and uh, rose bushes and pruning of rose bushes. So, uh, the winter wash, first of all, somebody's wondering what's the name of the winter wash. It's just called winter wash, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's just growing success, winter wash. Okay. And uh, it's applied really when all the foliage, you know, uh, goes off the plant okay. off and, the and, rose. and just mix it with water is yeah, it yeah it's mixed with water and it's put on with a, a spraying machine 
are watering can if it's a small tree and the I suppose the purpose of it is for just to cleanse the clean the tree mm-hmm. to kill any pests or diseases or anything like that that's on the tree yeah uh, it also uh, clears lichen which of course is no no harm in lichen but lichen is just a habitat or it's a home for pests and disease so it's 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 good to clean that and have a clean stem and um, it just really gives the the tree you know it puts it in a good stable condition and a good start for next spring and not so not even fruit trees but it can be very good for ornamental trees particularly uh, maples crimson king or drummondii you'd notice an awful lot of the foliage on those trees tend to go blotchy and they get botrytis uh, mildew and uh, winter wash helps against that as well right. too okay. and it's great for for shrubs indeed as well spireas Okay, so it covers particular. a multitude, really. Absolutely, our, our hydrangeas. It's great for hydrangeas that, that get a little bit of uh, mildew too later on in the season. It protects against that. And of course, it's brilliant for roses. And it should be put on all roses, climbing roses, miniature roses, standard roses or bush roses. Okay, so it covers, it covers the whole gamut there. And in terms of roses then, Mick, uh, one or two questions here about um, pruning them and what's the best approach? How far back do we prune the roses? Um, well, I suppose it depends on, on the type of rose that you're pruning. But um, if, you know, let's say for a floribunda or a hybrid tea, which would be the normal kind of bush rose that people would have in the garden. Mm. Uh, if it's a young rose, you know, a plant it would say in the last into three, four years, uh, you can take it back, you know, fairly far, you know, about maybe six inches or, you know, eight inches from the from the soil. Um, you know, you're leaving small little stems on it, maybe about four inches from, uh, um, uh, from the centre of the rose. Uh, to prune them, uh, use a good sharp secateurs, mm-hmm. um, cut them, you have a look on the plant and try and find a little bud, uh, cut uh, about a half an inch above that and slant the cut. So, um, we we cut the uh, uh, the rose sideways so that the rain runs off the cut so it's not looking up to the sky uh, the wound isn't looking up to the sky uh, and that's important because you know it keeps the the cut clean and stops the the weather getting into it. Okay, so uh, slanted and the inward slant on the under part as yeah, such. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Or you know, come into the centre yeah. and we'll show you exactly how to do it on one of them. But you know, the right roses are uh, kind of going off this time of year. I'd say wait till the flowers finish on them uh, and give them a good prune back and tidy up the stems around them. Uh, and then you know, if you have some good composted farmyard manure, fork that in around them and they're they're ready to go for next year. Great. Now we have a question regarding amaryllis uh, from Martin who has sent it in by email. Peter, and we talked a little bit I suppose last week on the programme about amaryllis bulbs and you know flowers for coming into Christmas. So Martin is wondering if you could give uh, advice as to the reason why a five-year-old amaryllis bulb never produces any flowers. Uh, they fo- It has foliage and leaves um, but no flowers. Yeah, I was reading the email. It's a strange one really with amaryllis because normally they're very I suppose, foolproof with all bulbs. Maybe uh, Martin could have it in too big of a pot. Right. Um, which could be a problem. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd probably want to see it. Uh, I'd suggest maybe if he has, it, it should be in a very, very tight pot. It should nearly just have, just push it into the pot. Okay, because uh, if, if there's too much room, I suppose it gets a bit lazy and then it isn't producing the Well, colors, I suppose the problem with that is you tend to overwater it. Yeah. The compost gets a bit too right. heavy and a bit too wet and that doesn't, uh, Amaryllis doesn't like that. I'd, I'd suggest too that maybe it takes it out of the pot that it's in at the moment and adds a little bit of something like perlite or what we call vermiculite mm-hmm. or a little bit of sand 
because uh, I know myself in Armorillis, when you do plant them, I know I'd say a lot of listeners would be familiar with this. They, they tend to just sit there if it's just in a, a drab, comp, an ordinary compost and the roots will just sit right. and they won't grow. They're nearly better off just being in a little bit of vermiculite without compost at all. Okay. Um, and I suppose the uh, feeding is, is, is important as well too when the foliage comes on the plant to keep it well fed afterwards. But I think for a start take it out what it's in and just put it into a mix of vermiculite and a little bit of sand. Okay, so just conditions uh, yeah. just not not quite right for the flowering end of things. I think I think so, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, a listener, Eileen, asks, can she set a laurel hedge now? Uh, she can indeed, yeah. It's an excellent time of year to, to grow hedges. Uh, you can get them in uh, loads of sizes. Um, they're all available in the centres at the moment. Um, there's, I suppose, the, the two main laurels that are sold are uh, the Portuguese laurel, which is uh, it's it's for a kind of a, a, a smaller garden or a tidier, you know, if you want a kind of nice, tidy, neat hedge against a, um, a wall or a fence, the Portuguese laurel is brilliant. The leaf is slightly smaller on it. Uh, the common laurel is, um, or the cherry laurel is, uh, a little bit faster growing, mm. you know, a little bit clumpier, but you know, no problem setting either of them now. Okay, just one or two more before we finish up. Um, Pete, a listener has a geranium bed. They're wondering what will they do with them for the winter? Well, the best thing to do is they'll have to take them up now and clean them off, Mm -hmm. uh, clean off all the soil, take off all the flowers and just give the plants a good shaking and clean everything off them. Wrap them up in newspaper or they can pot them. Uh, Pot them maybe in crates and leave them in a frost-free place, a glass house, somewhere like that. And... uh, they should also get a b- little bit of Bordeaux mixture right. and shake that on them. And the purpose of that is that it just uh, prevents a bit of rot coming in or a bit of mildew setting in over the plants on the wintertime. And, uh, you know, replace them then with maybe something like wallflowers or uh, mix them with uh, a mix of, as Mick said earlier on, some tulips. Great. And they have a great splash of colour then for next March. Okay, final question uh, to you, Mick. Uh, a listener has plum trees. They're sown five years. They've never had any fruit. It's peaty soil. Uh, so they're wondering what might be the problem. All right, well, um, it could be a number of things, but uh, it could be down to the pollination. You know, you might just need another variety of plum in there. Um, peaty soil is, it doesn't hold nutrition very well. Right. So um, I, I would suggest if it isn't flowering, you know, feed it with either rose feed or sulphate of potash and that should trigger the, the plant to flower and fruit for next year. Or if it's a mature tree, you can do a thing called, I think it's layering, is it? Or, yeah. 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 Or you, you, know, you probably want to look this up or, yeah. you know, be shown it, but it's where you take a little slit out of the bark and what it does is it shocks the tree. It gives it, this is what happened there. Right. Like, okay. Yeah. And it, it kind of, it starts to the tree starts to worry which is I better get this fruit out or you know I won't be reproducing and it can it can trigger a tree into fruiting really yeah. well okay I think um, this I think the peaty soil is the problem though. Yeah. Is it okay yeah. right and, but, I, and even if the customer wanted to put it into a container it would be better off okay yeah right yeah. okay that's uh, that, that, plums, that, you know they do they take do. a number of years to fruit but sure, there should be flowering. Sure. There's something. There's something just not quite right yeah. there. Okay, so uh, tackle the soil first and then see from there. Hopefully they'll have uh, some fruit in 12 months' time. Uh, lads, thanks a million for uh, all of the information and advice this morning. And uh, we're back again with the gardening programme next Saturday, just after nine o'clock. Uh, Stand by, Michael Neary is coming your way directly after the news at 10, which is on the way next with Fiona McGarry. From me, Deirdre Kelly, until next week, 
Have yourselves a great weekend. Good morning to you.